So when I when I was in the Air Force, we would uh, move uh, from place to place. Uh, normal tour was about three years, and so we lived in a lot of different states. I think Chris and I have lived in, I, I think we counted thirteen states since since we've been married. But uh, each each time when we had a new assignment, we'd show up on the new base, go to the new unit, and one of the first things that they would do would give us some sort of uh, in-briefing, a, a, a newcomer's briefing. And one of the first things they would always emphasize is, you're a member of the United States Air Force. You're in this community as a guest. This, this community is, is hosting us. And people know who you are. People know who you represent. Uh, we need to hold, uphold the... Uh, the highest standard of, of contact or uh, conduct when we're out in the, the community. And uh, I remember my last assignment was uh, I was uh, in, in Air Force ROTC, Assistant Professor of Aerospace Studies. <laughs> I was the Commandant of Cadets, and our, our commander, Colonel Hopewell, used to talk about the danger of us going native our, our assignment was at this uh, this college, and uh, definitely we were highly visible in this college. We we wore our uniforms. We represented the United States Air Force, also in the in the community. And so, you know, we were told we we needed to live in a manner worthy of of the Air Force, live in a manner worthy of being an Air Force officer. And in today's text, we're going to see something similar about how we should live as Christians in this world, which is not our home. You know, we're, we're people of the gospel. And um, we're, going to, we're going to kind of back up a little bit. I mentioned uh, last time that this word gospel shows up six times in chapter one. So bear with me. We're going we're gonna to read the entire chapter. And I want you to take note when that word gospel comes up. So Paul and Timothy, servants of, of Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you all are partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known through the whole imperial guard and to the rest of uh, my, and, and to all the rest uh, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And 
Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. For indeed, some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict you saw I had, and now I and now here I still have. Um, Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for uh, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to uh, apply your word to our lives today as we hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, remember last, last week we took a little detour. We looked at the uh, first chapter of Mark, talked about what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news. Gospel is really good news. It's the earth-shattering news of some event that has the, the potential to change the world as we know it. The gospel is Jesus Christ, that he, that he died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead, that he appeared to many hundreds of people. All this according to, uh, to God's plan as laid out in the, uh, the Old Testament as prophes- prophesied in the scriptures all the way back to uh, Genesis. And that the gospel is, is to be proclaimed. Our, our light is not to be uh, hidden under a bushel basket, Jesus said. The gospel has the power to change the world. The gospel has the power to change each one of us, one person at a time. So... Today we ask then, how shall we live? How do we live as people of the gospel? 
So, you know, the gospel spells out the, uh, the, the basis for our salvation, what Jesus has, has done for us, and the, uh, the gift of eternal life that we have as, as a result. But it also gives us the basis of how we should live daily as Christians, relying on the living, resurrected Christ through his spirit. Well, let's first look at um, proclamation of the gospel. You know, we, the, the, my three points uh, in this sermon are we need to proclaim the gospel, we need to live the gospel, and we need to stand firm together in the gospel. So Paul talks about uh, how the circumstances of his imprisonment serve to advance the gospel. You know, and we need to use our circumstances, whatever they may be, wherever we may find ourselves, to advance the gospel. You know, we, we have this good news. We have this life-transforming news, this gospel of Jesus Christ who, who the world needs. We can't keep it to ourselves. You know, do we, do we really believe in the greatness of the gospel as, as believers? Uh, you know, we, we have this really good news, and, uh, you know, don't we want people to know? Don't we want people to know what the Lord has done for us? You know, when uh, someone in your workplace has a baby, what do they do? Uh, do they say, well, you know, baby, having a baby is a very private matter, um, you know, it's, it's a very special thing, you know, just, just between me and, and my wife, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about my baby because I don't want to offend anyone, you know, you have your baby, we have ours, no, we don't do that, what do people do, they, they go around with their cell phones and show pictures, they put it all over uh, Facebook, you know, they want the whole world to know we've got a new baby. That's how we need to be with the gospel. You know, the gospel has, has this power, the power to, to change things, change people. You know, the, the book of Acts really gives us a great picture of the advancement of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of, of Christians to advance the, the gospel. You know, in Acts 17.10, Paul and Silas, they're, they're preaching about Jesus, and, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the opponents, some of their adversaries accused them of this. They said, these men have turned the world upside down. Wouldn't it be great to be accused of that? Wouldn't it be great to hear that this little church in Chihuahua has turned Chihuahua upside down? Paul also talks about uh, defending the gospel. He says, I'm, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel in, in verse 16. You know, the, the Greek word for defend is a, apologia, from which we get the word apologetics. It's, it's the defense of the gospel. You know, we need to be ready to present a, a case for the gospel in, in a way that, that's sincere and uh, thoughtful and, and compelling. That requires us to know it as, as it's presented in, in God's word. Paul 
or excuse me, Peter uh, would later say that we need to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. That's First Peter 3.15. And he goes on to talk about the reason for the hope in verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. I read a, a story of a man in uh, Iran who, who defended the gospel. Listen to this. Uh, his name was uh, Mehdi Dibaj, and he was imprisoned by the governor of Iraq, or Iran excuse me, in 1984 on charges of apostasy. He had uh, converted from Islam to Christianity. And the penalty, according to the uh, the local law, was uh, death. So Mede languished for prison in, in, uh, for 10 years before his case came to trial. And uh, when, when his case did come to trial, he presented a, a written defense. It was simple, straightforward. It was a, a reaffirmation of his commitment to Jesus Christ. And the last few lines of that defense uh, contain this paragraph. Let me read it to you. He said, Jesus Christ is our Savior and he is the Son of God. To know him means to know eternal life. I, a useless sinner, have believed in his beloved person and all his words and miracles recorded in the gospel and I've committed my life into his hands. Life for me is an opportunity to serve him, and death is a better opportunity to be with Christ. Therefore, I am not only satisfied to be in prison for the honor of his holy name, but I am ready to give my life for the sake of Jesus, my Lord. And on December 12, 1993, uh, the court uh, before whom this defense was made uh, sentenced him to uh, execution. In verse 17, Paul talks about the, uh, the confirmation of the gospel, the confirmation of the, the gospel. He was uh, establishing and, and he was validating the, the message of the gospel. This, this word is paired with the word defense. Uh, when, we, when we defend the gospel, the gospel, you know, we need to go beyond uh, what, what I would call bumper sticker theology or T-shirt theology. Uh, again, we need to we need to give a thoughtful, well thought out, sincere defense. I've I've heard people say things like this: uh, God said it, I believe it. That settles it, and that's true. You know, we <laughs> we do have uh, utmost uh, honor for God's word and, and for what God says, but. Uh, I've even heard that in, in sermons. I think somebody made a song about that uh, a few years ago as well. You know, we, we, need to, we need to take a cue from Paul. You know, Paul, it says in, in the book of Acts, when he goes around to the different uh, places, the different cities, what does he do? He goes to the synagogue, and it says that he, that he reasoned with the people in the synagogue from the scriptures. So it wasn't just a shallow um, 
trite kind of defense. It was it was a well thought out defense. We need to be able to reason with people from from the scriptures. So advancing, defending, confirming the gospel really has a lot to do with the, the content of the gospel. That's important. Delivering that, that content through sharing scripture, uh, through personal testimony. Uh, we also need to be able to bear witness to what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Uh, Jesus said, what? He said, you'll be my witnesses. And so that leads us to our second point, which is that we need to live the gospel. We need to live the gospel. Um, worthy, live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. You know, at first glance, that would seem to say to us that, uh, you know, we're, we're recipients of the gospel. We're recipients of the salvation of Christ. He has saved us from our sins. We are to live in a manner which, which honors him that we should uh, more and more grow to be conformed to his his image, to be more and more Christ-like in our our behavior. All these things are true. All these things are true. But the word translated manner of life here is the Greek word uh, polituomai. Polituomai. And uh, in in other great uh, ancient Greek literature, it uh, refers to uh, having one's citizenship or, or home in a certain city or state. It has to do with how we live among other people. You know, it's, it's the word we get uh, politics from, politics. Uh, in one early Christian writing, uh, in a letter to uh, Diagne- Diagnetius, uh, which was most likely written uh, to the tutor of Marcus Aurelius, the second century, uh, he uses this word to describe Christians' place in society. Let me read this quote, which is kind of long here. But he's describing the life of, of Christians and how they live in the society that they live in. Christians are not distinguished from the rest of mankind, either in locality or in speech or in customs, for they dwell not somewhere in cities of their own, Neither do they use some different language, nor practice an extraordinary kind of life, nor again do they possess any invention discovered by any intelligence or study of ingenious men, nor are they masters of any human dogma, as some are. But while they, do, while they dwell in the cities of Greeks and barbarians, as the lot of each is cast, and follow the native customs and dress and food and other arrangements of life, yet the constitution of their own citizenship, which they set forth, is marvelous and confessedly contradicts expectation. Listen to this. They dwell in their own countries, but only as sojourners. They bear their share in all things as citizens, yet they endure all hardships as strangers. Every foreign country is a fatherland to them, and every fatherland is foreign. They marry like other men. They beget children, but they do not cast off their offspring. They have their meals in common, but not their wives. They find themselves in the flesh, yet they live not after the flesh. Their existence is on earth, but their citizenship 
is in heaven. They obey the established laws and they surpass the laws in their own lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. So this word, uh, polit, you am I, you know, it has to do with the way we conduct our lives around other people. And where is our citizenship? He said it here. Uh, Paul later on says the same thing. This, this is important. We can never forget this. Uh, chapter 3, when we get to that, Paul's going to uh, expand this out. He talks about those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, verse 19 of chapter 3, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their gl- they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And so Paul is speaking here about... Uh, our citizenship, how we should conduct our manner in a way that our true allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of heaven because of the gospel. We need to live as as citizens of heaven because our king, King Jesus, is the one who redeemed us. He, He died for our sins. He was buried. He He was raised from the dead. King Jesus lives. He's with us through his spirit. He'll he'll return for us someday. Because of Jesus Christ, our, our salvation is past, present, and future. You know, people people should know though by the way we live today where our citizenship lies they should see us as being quite different from, from the rest of the world. And this, so this, this kind of raises the question, you know, by, by whose standards should we live? We're, we're citizens of, of heaven, but yet we're, we're living here. You know, do we, um, do we adopt the standards of the, the worldly society we live in? If we do, we're, we're living in a manner that's worthy of, of the world. Um, if we forget our true citizenship, we, we, have, a, we have an identity crisis, don't we? You know, we're, we're like people living or you know, traveling or living in another country. Um, our, our relationship to that country is, is different. So how do we live as guests on earth? That's, that's the question here. That's what Paul is saying that we need to do. Live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. What, what do we do when we travel to another country? You know, the, the U.S. State Department gives this, uh, this guidance. Understand that you are subject to the local laws and regulations while visiting or living in the country. Follow them. So we're we're subject to the local laws. We are uh, we are to obey the ruling authorities according to scripture. Uh, and yeah, you know, we're we're all familiar with um, stories of people who have 
broken the laws of countries that they visit. I think uh, there there are a lot of a lot of people in foreign prisons. Um, we visited Japan when our our oldest daughter and husband lived there. We didn't go to prison, but uh, something we something we noticed was uh, that in in Japan, just like in in England or Ireland and South Africa and Australia, people drive on the uh, right hand side of the road instead, or the left hand side of the road instead of the right hand side of the road. I got it backwards here. Uh, it it feels really strange. I remember uh, when. We also visited Ireland, by the way. They live in Germany now. And uh, we, we rented a car, and uh, Mike offered to let me drive. I said, no, you, <laughs> you do it. You're, you're used to it. You know, to me, it just feels like you're, gonna, you're just on the verge of a head-on collision. <clears throat> but I did keep trying to get in on the, uh, the wrong side, you know. It's it just it's weird. It's, it's, it's just different. It feels very strange. But if you're going to be in Japan and drive a car, that's what you're going to do. Uh, you know, you don't you don't just put your nose in the air and you and say, "I'm an American. I'm going to drive on whatever side of the road I want." You don't do that. Uh, if if you do, you're probably going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. Uh, you're you're going to be the uh, proverbial ugly American. You know, you're you're going to end up in trouble. So. As Christians, living in a foreign land, so to speak, it's, it's the same thing, right? If we, uh, if we flout the local laws, if, if we have the attitude, well, we're, we're Christians, we're going to do what we want to do. Um, we're, gonna bring, we're not living in a manner that's uh, worthy of the gospel. We're bringing disgrace on, on the gospel. Uh, if we do that, we're driving on the wrong side of the road, so to speak. You know, we're, we're ambassadors of the cross. Our, our, our conduct should bring honor to the gospel. So it all, it all comes down to our identity. You know, we're, we're beneficiaries of the gospel. We're citizens of heaven. We're definitely part of something much bigger than, than we ourselves. So, you know, we don't, we don't want to go native, but we don't want to drive on the wrong side of the road either got a balance here you know ultimate our con ultimately our ma- our conduct our manner of living needs to bring glory to god remember back in verse 10 he said approve what is excellent so be pure and blameless for the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through christ jesus to the glory and praise of god you know his is the kingdom and the power and the glory right you know we we need to remember always we're god's people we belong to him. You know, we're here in this community. We're here in this country as, as ambassadors. We're, we're his emissaries. We represent him. We represent the, uh, the gospel that, that we proclaim. Um, <clears throat> this last week, I, I've been reading through the book of Exodus. And I was reading this one uh, passage in, in chapter 34 where uh, God is... Giving the law to Moses, he's he's speaking about him, or he's speaking to him about the covenant that he's making with his his people of Israel, and he says, "Behold, this is thirty four ten Exodus thirty four ten. Behold, I am making a covenant 
Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all earth or in any nation. And all the people among you, or among whom you are, all people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing I will do with you. But then he warns them in in verse 12, listen to this. He says, take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice. You see what he's saying? Uh, we, We need to live as God's covenant people not make covenants with, with other people. We need to worship him only and uh, you know, not, not being trapped by the, the gods of the world. You know, really anything that, that replaces God in our lives is a God, small g, an idol. You know, what, what are some of them that we deal with? We could probably spend the rest of the day listening, listing them, but uh, you know, things like power, money, Self. What else? Really, anything that replaces God and becomes more important to us than than God. We need to live as citizens of heaven. Worthy of the gospel. For the glory of God. And uh, finally, Paul says we're to we're to stand firm together. We're, we're citizens together. We're in this as a, as, as a family. Uh, he, he says, standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving, by, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. <clears throat> so first, we, we stand firm as we stand together. You know, Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 1 through 7, Paul talks about being together in one spirit. He says, uh, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. For there's one body and one spirit just as you were called together to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we stand firm together as as one body, with, with one spirit. There's one God, one Jesus, one hope, one, one faith. We're, we're going to need this. We're going to need this if we're going to thrive. You know, if, if we don't, we're not standing firm. We're on, we're on some pretty shaky, uh, pretty shaky ground. You know, Paul is he's urging, he's, he's begging, he's, he's imploring the, the people in the church of Philippi and by extension to us to, to have unity. To have solidarity, you know, Paul says, essentially, I want to, I want to hear news about you. I want to, I want to hear that 
you guys are unified, that you are uh, one-minded. Now, why would the Holy Spirit ins- inspire Paul to, to write this? You know, could, it, could this be an area where we need help? I think so. I think so. Listen to what he said to the uh, church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1.10. You know, what's, what's the opposite of unity? Division? Yeah. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling, quarreling among you, my brothers, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Yeah, the, the antithesis of unity is, is division and, and quarreling. You know, people... People wanting to be in, in one camp or, or another. And, you know, people forming tribes within, within the church. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians, uh, re, returning to this, this division. He, he says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready yet. For you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? So we need to be people of the gospel. Gospel people standing on firm, solid ground. Uh, Division, quarreling, choosing sides. Against our brothers and sisters, there's no place for that in, in God's family. You know, all these point, according to Paul, as immaturity and, and stunted growth. You know, they all need to the, they all point back to the need to get back to the, the basics and drill down deep into those basics. You know, we need to have a firm grasp of the gospel, you know, especially as it pertains to how we live. Uh, you know, we're we're saved. In order to be God's people, we're saved, Paul says in Ephesians, for good works. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. We're saved to bring him glory as we love him, as we love one another. You know, we need to be able to walk humbly before our God and, and before other people. We need to work. We need to seek his work in us, rather. You know, we need to seek him, seeking to be more and more conformed to his image. You know, we need to, we need to humbly explore the depths of these things and what they mean to us in, in a practical manner. How, how can we apply this to our lives day to day? How can we apply this in our, in our church? You know, we, we drink from a deep, deep well, um, so we need unity. We also need participation. 
You know, we uh, back earlier in verse Paul. You know, we see the uh, solidarity of that Paul has with the uh, the Philippians as he speaks of their partnership with him in the gospel. Back in verse seven, Paul said, "You are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel." So we share the gospel. We share the ministry together. We we participate. We we share the grace of God. We we partake of Him together. Uh, we need to work together. We need to work together, empowered by the Spirit, participating, helping each other, showing each other grace, loving each other, supporting each other, and together. You know, even if we suffer for the gospel's sake. We have nothing to fear from those who are being antagonistic, Paul says here. So as we close, let's remember that uh, we are people of the gospel. We are, we are to live the gospel. Never, ever forgetting what Jesus Christ paid on the cross. The ultimate price. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He, he rose from the dead, securing uh, resurrection and eternal life for us. You know, the gospel needs to be alive in us as, as we live our lives. It needs to be alive in us. Uh, you know, if, if we believed in him and received him as our savior, uh, he saved us from the, the penalty of sin. The gospel's still active in our lives as we're saved from the influence of, of sin as, as we seek to live as, as citizens of heaven. He, he empowers us to live lives of, of obedience to him. He continues to convict us of, of sin through, through his Holy Spirit. We need to listen. So the gospel is good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is to be proclaimed, and you know, a big part of that proclamation is in how we live our lives day by day, living as citizens who are worthy of the gospel. Our our voice is muted if we don't stand together, firm in unity, in humility, in obedience to God. Uh, the good news becomes irrelevant if we have uh, division and strife and, and disunity. And we, uh, we're citizens of heaven who need to live worthy of the gospel. We need to proclaim it. Uh, we, we must not muddle the, the gospel with our, our partisan politics. There's, there's no worldly system and, and every Every political party is a worldly system. No worldly system is, is worthy of our unconditional allegiance. Uh, we, we make a mockery of the gospel if we allow ourselves to get sucked in and lay hold of the, the gods of this world. And when we do, if we do our unity shot, we no, we no longer stand firm 
in unity. We need need to rise above that. We need to be people of the gospel. We need to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul says no worries about opposition, no worries about any suffering because if we suffer, it's for his sake and our salvation is is from the Lord. Let's pray. Let's pray. Um, Lord, these are... uh, these are challenging words. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, really absorb this this message of, of the gospel, Lord, that we would apply the good news of Jesus Christ to our moment-by-moment moment, uh, walk on, on this earth where, where we're strangers. Um, Teach us, Lord, to to live as as citizens of heaven who are of the world, but uh, are in the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world, Lord. And if there be any here today who don't know you, who have not been forgiven of their sins, Lord, uh, speak to them, Lord. Draw them to yourself. You've said today is, is the day of salvation. Lord, we love you. We pray in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen.